Welcome back to you. This is the place for everything breakup healing, decentering your ex, and recentering yourself. I'm Evelyn Christine, and let's start getting back to you. All right. Y'all know my aim is to be as authentic as possible with all of you. And quite frankly, I'm dealing with some of my own heartbreak at the moment. I was briefly seeing someone who I felt a very strong connection to, and we just wanted different things. And for my own well-being, I had to call it. Again, actually, this was our second go-around, lol. Um, and a lot has come up for me. I'm learning a lot. The biggest lesson is that I'm also human. And being a breakup coach doesn't make me immune to heartbreak. Isn't that crazy? Did you guys know that? Because <laughs> for a while, I was beating myself up for being upset about it. Because I know all the ins and outs of healing. I have a literal four-step program and unlimited access to all my own material. But guess what, guys? No amount of knowledge, self-discovery, self-awareness, or healing can heal being human. And human beings have emotional reactions, period. Plus, I can't coach myself. We are not good consultants to ourselves. Like, full transparency, I have not been opening up to people and potential partners. I've been kind of casually dating since the summer, but never investing myself, never putting anything at stake. And I called that being healed. But the reality was that I wasn't risking anything enough to fully practice those muscles. Like, if you break a leg, Sure, it's going to heal and you'll be able to walk on it. But are you practicing running? Are you doing squats, backflips? Okay, I I can't do a backflip. But can you all see that? To create a relationship with someone means to put yourself on the line. And I finally did that. And it didn't pan out how I wanted to. But I'm honestly grateful for that. Because now I have an opportunity to practice this muscle that's been dormant for years. And I can see now that I can take these risks and put it on the line and have it not work out and I won't die. I saw a woman on TikTok talking about, I think she called it the rejection theory, which is just to go out, get rejected as much and as fast as you can so that you fear it less and less. You build up this muscle, this callus around it. She applied for jobs she was underqualified for and got them. She would ask strangers if she could eat with them and they would say yes. In trying to be rejected, she actually discovered very little rejection and that most of it is just our own fear and what we create for ourselves mentally. We act like we already know how things are going to go and that stops us before we even get started. So while I did experience a rejection of sorts, I'm less afraid to experience it again. And maybe the next person, or maybe I'm being optimistic, but at some point, I'll put it on the line for someone who will put it on the line back, and we won't have missed each other just because we were afraid to get hurt. And I've talked about this before, you guys. Heartbreak is going to happen. If you want a big life, if you want to be in love, you're going to experience a lot of heartbreak. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's what your heart was meant to do. My heart breaks every time I have a consultation with someone and they just don't want to accept my support. A lot of people end up going, oh, you know, I can handle, I'll, I'll figure it out on my own. I can handle it on my own. That breaks my heart. I just spent you know, 45 minutes to an hour hearing about everything you're struggling with, creating a plan for you. And now you're not going to let me support you. Like that breaks my heart. 
My heart breaks every time I read one of your guys' stories and read what you've gone through. My heart breaks when my friends are sad, when my family is hurting. My heart breaks every day because I put my heart on the line with everything I do and the risks that I take. And that's how you create a big life. That's how you get what you want. Because eventually you will put your heart on the line for something and it will pay off so much bigger than if you had half-assed it and tried to protect yourself. And until now, that's what I've been doing with relationships. I've been trying to play it safe, but there's no growth in a safe life. There are no miracles or possibility in a life of survival. But I get that heartbreak isn't easy to navigate. I get it. I've been experiencing it for the past week. And it can be debilitating, make you not want to do anything, call in sick to work, quit the gym, resign to a life in bed. And actually, that makes me think I'm reading this book right now called My Year of Rest and Relaxation. It's about a 26-year-old woman living in New York in 2000 who's planned out a year of hibernation. She's seeing a really bad psychologist who prescribes her anything she wants, and she takes all these drugs to literally sleep 24 hours a day. And then she lives off of her parents' inheritance, so she doesn't need to work. All she eats are animal crackers and macadamia nuts, and she only goes out to get coffee just to come back home and pop whatever pill cocktail and go back to sleep. And being in a state of heartbreak myself, Loki never related to anything more in my life, and I'm sure y'all can relate as well. It's easy to just resign, but usually what's easy is not the best option. And unless y'all got rich socialite parents' inheritances to live off of and a bad psychologist who's willing to prescribe you anything you need to opt out of the world... You've likely got commitments to keep up with work, school, exercises, social circles, family commitments, extracurriculars, etc. You got bills to pay, maybe even kids to feed. Your life is bigger than just you. And you gave your word to certain commitments that aren't going to stop just because you're heartbroken. And this is how you can coexist with what you're feeling in a way that doesn't stifle your feelings, but rather allows you to keep moving and get out of your head. The hardest part for me, I don't know if y'all relate is getting the ball rolling and doing the first thing. Morning is the hardest for me because I just woke up. I'm tired. I'm groggy. My apartment's cold. I'm comfy in bed. My cats are there with me. I don't want to get up. It's hard enough on a good day, let alone when the first thing on my mind when I open my eyes is, fuck, that happened. My heart is heavy. So number one thing is I just get up. No phone, no thoughts, no dawdling, no scrolling. Just get the fuck up and get going before I can even second guess myself or I will stay in bed and cancel my whole day, period. Then once I've gotten moving, made my breakfast or my pre-workout snack, I sit down and journal about what's there for me. I get all my thoughts and feelings on paper. This is usually when I cry and get most upset in the day, either when I first wake up or sit down with my breakfast. I don't know why. Like most people say nighttime is the hardest for me. I'm fine at night. First thing in the morning is the worst for me. So to be responsible for that, I write about it and get it out of my system. I can fully explore what I'm thinking and feeling without wallowing it and painting it all over my whole day. Once I feel the relief of journaling, I can set my intentions for the day. A big thing to practice is living into the future rather than living from the past. Sure, We can sit around and dwell over what happened for ages. I can carry that with me to the gym, to my client calls, all the way back to bed with me. I can very easily live like what happened is still happening. And this is that survival mechanism I was talking about before. Living in the past is how we think we're keeping ourselves safe. Analyzing what's happened in the past to predict the future and prevent that from repeating itself. But there's no room for anything new when we live like this. 
So by living into the future, I mean creating possibilities that I might think are even impossible, like a certain amount of monthly income that would actually be pretty sweet or the kind of relationship I actually want. We all think we're undeserving, that we're not good enough for the things we truly want. But again, that's the survival mechanism keeping you safe. So this is what I actually mean by creating my possibilities for the day. What future am I going to be living into versus dwelling on the past? You know, when like you book a vacation and between the time that you book it and when you get on the plane, it's like the vacation has already started. You're in a good mood. Things are just rolling off your back like a duck. That's because you have a future that you are living into, something that you are looking forward to. And that's not to say you need to live a someday life. Like once I get X, Y, and Z, then I'll be happy. But when you book that vacation, it's like you're already on that vacation. So how can you create a future that you're living into that's like you are always about to go on vacation? And then this next point, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but I'll keep repeating it because it's so helpful. What we want and what we feel have nothing to do with what we're committed to. Our feelings and emotions are fleeting. The average person has like 400 emotional experiences every day, and we give the upper hand to our emotions over logic and rational thinking. Take going to school, for example, getting a degree or master's or PhD is not an easy thing to do. It takes time, hard work, and dedication. And sometimes you get so overwhelmed, so frustrated that you want to just drop out. I mean, some people do. I know I did. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) But you know that going this course is your access point to the career that you want. You're going to have whatever feelings you have about studying, but at the end of the day, you're committed to your education. You're locked in with the school and your classes, and you're likely going to follow through on that commitment. Unfortunately, though, not everything in life is so binding. Some things are simply bound only by our word, and we can be extremely reckless with our word. People say talk is cheap, but it's us who cheapen our talk by not following through, not taking action, lacking integrity and accountability. So you need to treat your word as the most valuable thing you possess, and this will create your bond to your commitments. And what you want has nothing to do with what you're committed to. I will say this until the day I die. If you're getting sick of me hearing it, I'm sorry, but y'all got to get this. Sure, you want to lie in bed all day and cry and maybe even text your ex for any possible answer, but you're committed to your education or making money or feeding your family or building your business or going to the gym or going to that art class, that rehearsal, that sports practice. And for me, once the ball gets rolling, once I've had my breakfast, done my journaling, gotten my ass up to go to the gym, it gets pretty easy from there. And the more I do in a day, the better I feel. Neglecting my commitments comes with the guilt and self-loathing of not having done them, which adds to my grief. So maybe I won't feel like rainbows and sunshines coming out of my ass, but I'll feel a lot better than not having done anything. And you'll need to look for yourself at where and what you need to be responsible for to manage these heavy feelings. Do you need to journal, go for walks, call friends, not necessarily even to vent, but just to get out of your head and into a real-time conversation? Do you need to exercise? Because I know you didn't ask for this. You don't want to be feeling this way. I get it. But you do feel this way. This is happening. So you need to be responsible for it. What's that saying? It's not your fault, but it's happened. So you're responsible for cleaning it up. That's exactly this. And like I always say too, what we resist persists. 
So if you're resisting this heartbreak, acting like it's not happening, swallowing it down just to get on with your life, it will keep coming up. It will keep bubbling up. You need to really look at what is at the source of getting you hooked before you can get out of that heartbreak circle. You need to get into the center of it and really look at what's there for you. For me, I recently discovered something kind of fucking huge. My parents split up when I was three, and I have this super vivid memory of my dad moving out. He sat me down on the couch when I was three and said he wasn't going to be living with us anymore. And I always kind of acted like that didn't affect me. Like it was fine because it wasn't like I never saw him again. I probably saw him the next day. And my parents were, they handled that so well. Like I was not in the middle of their separation whatsoever. I had no idea with any of the drama that was going on. They always kept me out of it and always put their shit to the side for me. But of course, watching your dad move out is going to have an effect on you when you're three years old. And I never looked at it. I just always acted like it was fine. I was putting icing on mud and calling it a cake. But then with this situation, I was like, okay, why the fuck am I so hooked by a guy I was not seeing for that long and I didn't know that well? Like actually what is going on with this? So I really looked at it. I did a lot of writing, thought about my parents and like their separation. And what I saw was I never dealt with that. Like I never dealt with the fact that my parents separated. And there, and there's a saying that one of my coaches says, like, when you stand in sewage for long enough, you, you'd stop noticing that it stinks. And I realized I've been standing in the sewage of my parents' separation since I was three years old. And all of a sudden it fucking stunk. <laughs> all of a sudden I realized I was in sewage. And to compensate for the fact that my parents couldn't make it work, I have spent my life making unworkable relationships work. Because if I don't, then I am abandoning my inner three-year-old self. Isn't that fucking crazy, you guys? <laughs> And it's not even in like romantic and sexual relationships either. Since I was in like preschool, I needed the mean girls to like me. I was always, always being so nice, overcompensating, overaccommodating to people who didn't like me, who were actually mean to me, the people who bullied me. And I was always looking at what am I doing wrong that's causing this? How can I bridge the gap and, and, you know, quote unquote, fix them and fix this relationship? Rather than taking their actions at face value and just walking away and finding people who can treat me a little bit nicer, can treat me the way I want, the way I deserve. But I have this notion that relationships need to be fixed because my parents couldn't fix their relationship. And then it probably didn't help that neither of them have really dated anyone since they split up. My dad's only in his first real serious relationship now, like years, years, years later. So discover for yourself what's really driving this. What's really getting you hooked about it? It's usually not what we think it is. It's usually not actually about the person, right? Like I was thinking the fact that I'm so hooked about this situation means that I need to make it work with this guy. It means that he's maybe, you know, he's it. He's the be all end all because I feel this way. No, it's because for me, most of the people I date, when the relationship isn't working, they represent my parents' relationship. And so I got into the center of that heartbreak. And now I can move out of that circle and create something new. Isn't that fucking amazing, you guys? The human brain is crazy. So that's about all I have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is episode 10 already. Can you believe it? It feels like I'm still on episode two. It feels like I just started this, but episode 10, that's crazy. 
There's only four more days to claim the early bird special on the self-love experience. If y'all haven't heard about this yet, this Valentine's Day, Wednesday, February 14th, I'm hosting a self-love experience. Come hang out with us over Zoom. Bring your favorite wine, your favorite takeout meal. Come hang out with us. We're going to be playing games, getting to know each other, doing mindset exercises. I'll be helping you guys reframe your perceptions of being single and you will leave. I promise you, you will leave feeling so empowered and happy to be single on this day. Plus, I have partnered with Balesa Boutique, my favorite sex toy company, and I'm going to be doing a giveaway at the end of the night. So you will have an opportunity to win potentially one of two vibrators donated by Balesa Boutique. There's also going to be an exclusive discount code available, 30% off store-wide for Balesa Boutique for everybody who shows up. You will also get an opportunity to win a hoodie from our other sponsor, Bolt Active. I'm also going to be giving away copies of my personally designed self-care guided journal discounts on -on one-on-one coaching, and you could even win a free month in my breakup group, the self-love community, plus so many other fun things. If you get your ticket before February 1st, you will get the early bird special. Otherwise, they're going to be $27 Canadian starting February 1st. Ticket sales close on the 13th, so be sure to get them. There's limited seating. Bring your friends. It's going to be such a good time. You guys, you do not need to suffer this Valentine's Day. I would love to see you guys there. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Try on these practices this week, okay? Really see what it's like to coexist with and embrace your heartbreak. Let me know how it goes. I would really love to hear from you guys. And until next Sunday, back to you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe and leave a review. It seriously helps me out so much. Now, until next Sunday, back to you.